Cypher 20. Welcome back to 20 for 20, a podcast that's all about 20 time projects. If you're not familiar with 20 time, this is an opportunity that a lot of businesses have engaged in in the past. And it's an opportunity that's taking place in my high school English classroom right now, where the students just get a chance to spend about 20% of their time each week, just like a worker might get to do in a big organization, take about 20% of their time or so to work on entirely independent, self-directed creative projects. Uh, What's exciting about these projects is that they're entirely student designed. They're student choice. The only requirement was that they pick something that they were interested in or passionate about. They just hadn't had a lot of uh, opportunity to explore those passions and interests yet in school and be able to design a project around that that they could sustain for about 12 weeks or so they've been working on these projects. Uh, By now, the students' projects are coming to a close, or at least the time that we're going to spend on it in class. I hope that they've chosen things that they can continue to do and make a part of their life as they go forward. So the podcast that you're listening to now is actually a result of my own 20-time project. I've started a couple of podcasts, this one and another one uh, that I will, I'll come back to at the end of the podcast episode. But it's actually turned into a podcast network that I've been able to start with my friend, Andrew Fisher. I'll talk more about that all again at the end of the podcast. But the exciting thing is that these students are having the time to explore their creative interests and passions. They've started businesses. Um, they've made music, they've written stories, they've developed cookbooks, they've learned sign language, video games, uh, YouTube channels. There's just no end to the types of things that these students have been able to do. And it's all because you've, they've just had the opportunity to take some time to explore their own passions and interests. So I'm excited for you to hear uh, from, this, from my guest today, and I will catch back up with you at the end of the podcast. So without further ado, let's hear from our first guests. So next, we're going to talk to Ashley and Jillian, who are here to talk about their 20-time project. So why don't you go ahead and tell us what your project is. So our 20-time project is a business that we created based on the experiences that we've had in the business classes at high, in our high school with Miss Lockhart, where we created a sticker company and a crew neck sweatshirt company where we generated custom-made designs. I think she pretty much summed it up. What progress have you made so far with your business? Uh, We've been able to produce one crew neck. It went pretty well. We sold about 18 of them, which made roughly $400 because we split it and we each had 200 in profit. And then our stickers, they've done okay. They've not done the best. We just finished those today. So we've had like 12 designs and people could pick from them and all different colored vinyls. Tell me more about the design of the sweatshirt. What inspired it? How did you come up with it? So we saw a design on Pinterest that had a school that made the sweatshirt with the three. The DHS stands for like Dresden High School. And then they did it embroidered of what their um, mascot was. And so we saw that and we thought it was really cute because we've never seen anybody make a design like that that sells sweatshirts. What do you call that block? I mean, they're block letters, but what do you? what is that style? Because you see it, you see it a lot of places now it's very popular right now is there a certain style or name for that it started with this brand called stony clover it's a really high-end like they make put them on makeup bags like name name brand it's it's expensive it's like for a patch normally it's like 13 dollars a piece and you can buy them on etsy now or amazon which is where we ordered our letters Mm -hmm. from so it just became really popular and it's really expensive so we wanted to make it a little bit more affordable for people Mm -hmm. so you found a way to make it affordable for y'all to make it and still make a profit and still make a profit and yeah. provide it to people who may not be able to get the high end yeah stuff. okay was that your goal 
Yes. Well, originally we wanted our price to be a lot lower than what we had to originally price it. But whenever we did the startup cost and we calculated everything, we would have to make three or four more bulk orders to even start making profit to pay off our startup cost originally. So we had to up it to what we originally wanted. But just to hear you use that language, that terminology of your, your startup costs and making a profit and bulk orders, are those things that you would have learned in your business classes or did you learn that as part of just going through this process? Definitely the business classes. Mm -hmm. I think you pick up on it, but I don't think you get firsthand experience or like really fully understand it until you get hands-on experience with it. That's I try to I try not to just talk say the same thing every time, but that's another thing that I think is cool about these kind of projects is we can talk about content all the time, but application is different. I think the cool thing is to be able to get your hands on this and actually use what you're learning. And I don't think just in classes in general, education in general, we focus more on learning content and not enough about application and using what you're doing. I think that's a very exciting thing about this project. Um, what what have you learned about yourselves as business people or just as designers, as anything like that? What have you learned about yourself that maybe you wouldn't have expected? Nothing ever goes right. Yeah. That's what you can say is a lot of people could say whenever they start businesses that they have high expectations and you want like we had goals of when we wanted sweatshirts to get out and we needed money collected this day and we were going to get the money and deposit it. And we got pushed back like three or four Fridays where we weren't doing anything besides ordering and prepping. And we had to take classes like during not Fridays and during days where we had to like do that outside of class because nothing would ever go correct. We didn't have materials or the vinyl wouldn't stick or just it didn't look good in general. We so we had to redo. We plan on doing a whole lot. More. more designs and we weren't able to because with shipping and how everything's behind mm -hmm. and with how no one would get their money in no. it was just like it was a hassle so and I wouldn't I wouldn't describe anything that you just said as failure necessarily but setbacks trial yeah. and error maybe failure th like the vinyl not sticking yeah. that's not a failure on your part but it's just learning that taking a step back and reevaluating and making adjustments is a part of the learning process yeah. and again I don't think that's including me, I don't think we do enough of an opportunity to say it's okay to mess up on the first try, to yeah, not yeah. know on the first try. But then as you get more involved and engaged and practice what you're doing, you learn that I learned a lesson through that failure. I think We did have cool upsides thing. to it where Miss Lockhart would help us be like, you know, there. even though it doesn't look good, I can help you take that off. And then we figured out you can use a steamer to unpeel the vinyl off of it. So we learned different ways to take off So things. just things that you wouldn't have expected no. to learn going in, but now you do and you mm -hmm. can yeah, make a better product. Tell me more about the stickers because I saw those and I thought they were really cool. I, I, very unique because I hadn't seen something like that. So how'd you come up with the idea for the stickers? I found them on Etsy when I was looking for a car decal for my car, like the back of it. And I just thought it'd be easy because we that we have a cricket in there in Miss Lockhart's room. So we decided to make up a few designs and we started selling them. We put them on our cars first, took pictures of them, yeah. and posted them. We can pretty much uh, operate a cricket like the back of our hand now. Yeah. Pretty easy. The cricket and the computer, what's that silhouette? That's the oh, yeah. app, the that software that you use. We only got a few sales on it, but we mostly made them like for us. We didn't share it, yeah. we didn't share it a lot. Like we we it was kind of one of those last minute things cuz the sweatshirts took so long. Right. So we didn't have a lot of time to do them anyways, so we posted them on our Instagram. It didn't get a lot of attention. Like most of our sweatshirts were sold through Facebook and we didn't post them on Facebook, yeah. which we probably could have done that would have produced a whole lot more sales. I think the idea of the rear view mirror stickers is something that could take off. I thought that was cool. Or like the, you know, the mm -hmm. sun visor stickers. Yeah. I thought that was such a good idea if you get the chance to market that more and advertise more. 
Um, is this something, now that you've done it for a little while, is this something that you plan to keep doing after the project is over? We've talked about this, and we think because, like, junior year in high school is, like, understood, like, universally understood that it sucks and it's crazy, <laughs> and we don't have any time, but we talked about that we wanted to, like, hopefully do it because we did have a design to do, like, a Tennessee sweatshirt, okay. and we said we would hopefully do that either, like, next year because, like, football's coming close to an end that we would eventually get that out and when we would have the time to do it. Because, like, once you posted that, like, online for people to buy, it is stressful because you have to get money. They're constantly texting you. It's just hard to get all the materials in. Especially since our sweatshirts, the letters come in a pack of six, so you want to sell even in increments of six because if you don't, then you're going to have leftover product. Or you don't want to have sold more yeah, than more, you have. Yeah, more, than yeah. you have. So just figuring that out and having to turn people down because yeah. once we got to 18 it was kind of starting to slow down and people there was like two people that had asked after and we had to turn them down because we were like unless we get four more sales then we can't it's kind of a waste of money, money on, on that order yeah. yeah or we couldn't risk that we wouldn't make any money from it like we could make them but we already had one so why would we want two of the same sweatshirt if mm-hmm. they didn't sell i got you. so that kind of sucked because then they were like well if you do it again just let me know and i didn't want to end up being like, well, we're probably not going to make this design, but mm-hmm. we make something different. Well, I think it's an interesting prospect. To, you have it in the back, you know, in your back pocket now. Mm-hmm. If it's something you want to come back to, I think it's a, a great side job to if you wanted to yeah. make money when you had more time, especially graduating, you know, after high school. If you want to make your way, you know, have a little money on the side in college, it's something that you can come back to. Um, even I think, you know, having Miss Lockhart as a resource and maybe mm-hmm. use that classroom, probably potentially even after you graduate, it's yeah. somewhere where you can come use those materials. Well, thank you all for taking the time to talk to me about your project. I think it's a really cool idea. Y'all have had a lot of success with it, and I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. Next, we're going to talk to Miller about his project. So, Miller, go ahead and tell us what you've chosen for your 20-time project. I've done ag aviation. I'm going to it's an up-and-coming thing. It's drones spraying instead of planes, and I've got an early lead on it, and I'm looking forward to purchasing a drone and the equipment to start my own business. So this is something that you're getting out ahead of. It's not widespread practice yet? Yeah, it's not It's not very common around here yet. It's more open maybe out west, like Arkansas with the big planes, uh, big fields. They're starting to do the practices on it and start getting it going. Okay, that's really interesting. What what inspired you to do that? Where'd you get the idea? Uh, every year, my dad's always complaining about getting a crop duster in because crop dusters, there's only a certain breed of people that do it, and there's not very many around here. And they're always booked up, and it's hard to do it. And crop dusters, they, they're not very pinpoint accurate on how much they spread or spray on each field. Mm-hmm. They're just doing the average, and this drone is perfect every time. It don't matter where you're at, any type of terrain. It's not, the chemicals are not going to spread. It's going to be there on the plant every time. And once you have it, it's yours. You're not having to schedule anybody else, book anybody else. It's, you're going to be the one with the license. You're piloting it. It's all you. Yes, sir. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about, you don't have to give me specific numbers necessarily, if that's something that, you know, y'all want to keep part of your operation, but... In general, what what's the cost all told of, of an operation like that? This drone, it's going to be around twenty to fifty thousand dollars a drone. Uh, I'd like to have two in the future. The, you're going to have to have an enclosed trailer, and you're going to have to have the materials in the trailers for your chemicals, your pumps, your cleaning supplies to flush your drones out every time you spray different chemical. 
So it's going to be around fifty to hundred thousand dollars for a full setup. So it's a big investment, but it's you know it's something that you think is going to you know expedite your operation, help out with the family operation. You know, I think this is a business that you're looking to start with your brothers, right? Yes, sir. I'm going to be the head honcho, I guess uh-huh. what you call it, of the business. I, I've come up with it, and they're going to be a helping part of it. But I guess I, I'm the co-pilot. I'm going to, or I'm going to be the pilot. And, and this is something that you think you would offer to other local farms who are looking for an alternative to crop dusting? Yeah, um, mainly in, I guess, herbicides. Mm-hmm. I'll be spraying herbicides or fungicides, mainly fungicides. And that's when the you spray fungicides when your crop is tall, mm-hmm. and it's like the last step on spraying and that's mainly what I'm going to do that's when your crop dusters come in and instead of them paying a crop duster in, come in and mm-hmm. hopefully getting it right I'll be right amount I'm supposed to be spraying every you time. You can guarantee precision guarantee. where they can't. Yes sir. Very interesting so uh, what progress have you made so far I know that you haven't been able to get all the equipment yet but what steps have you taken to get there? I've know what I've got to do to get the equipment uh, Starting to talk to some people. Got to know where I got to go to get my license. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to have a drone application license, an application to spray. Um, it's basically like an aviation license, mm-hmm. but with a drone, not a plane. How much time are we looking at to get those licenses? A couple months. Okay. The drone license is kind of hard to get. Uh, a lot of studying you got to mm-hmm. do. So it's going to take a little time. I know they offer drone classes at colleges now. Like UT Martin, I know, has a drone class. Is that something you're thinking about? Yeah, I, I actually know the dude, Dr. Smart, okay. down there at UTM. He's the dude that runs that class. Uh, I've talked to him. He's actually came to the school here. And I've talked to him about it a little bit. Okay. What have you learned about yourself so far in doing, in doing a project like this? Not necessarily about the business itself, but what have you learned about you in doing an open-ended, creative project like this? It's easy to talk about. It's just not easy to do. It's time-consuming and everything. Yeah. The execution of it. It's, I think that's really important takeaway that we, we can have these ideas all we want to, but finding the time, the opportunity, and at least for a little while, I'm excited that y'all have had the chance to at least take time to think, if I'm going to do a creative project of my own, I wanted to give y'all some of that time back to actually see what it looks like to put it in place. So I'm glad you've had a chance to do that. I guess what goals do you have going forward? I know this is something you want to keep doing. Uh, after the project has ended. So what are your next steps? Uh, I hope to purchase the items here in the next half a year to a year. I hope to have a business running in, let's say, two years. There's also some other attachments to this drone. I can also spread fertilizer, seeds, anything like that. And I hope to gain on that too instead of just spraying. Okay, very cool. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me about your project. I'm sure a lot of people are going to find that very cool. Thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of 20 for 20. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Ashley and Jillian and Miller about their different projects. If you haven't yet, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the other students who I've been able to interview. I'll have to admit that just as is bound to happen with creative projects like this that we're doing on the side, that time got the best of me with Thanksgiving and wrapping up classes and teaching some college classes and all kinds of things going on that I've gotten behind in my projects and I'm finally getting back to them. Uh, But that's just another important takeaway from projects like this is if we're passionate in it, we're passionate about it and we're we're interested in doing it, we've got to make it happen. Uh, And we can let time be an excuse. We can make it work with our schedules. As long as we are expressing ourselves and exploring our creativity, then uh, I think we're on the right track. So uh, 
little bit of time in between episodes here. I plan to have another one out pretty soon that's explaining what the students will be doing for their final projects. And I have a pretty cool idea for the season finale for the 20 for 20 podcast coming up. So stay tuned for that episode next week. But I do have one, like I said, coming out in between where, um, what the students are held accountable for, for their final presentations, for how they will present these 20-time projects in case you want to know what they're going to have to do in class, what the final uh, what the final stage of the project is, and maybe you're somebody that might want to put this in your class someday as well. So that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, keep an eye out for the other podcasts on the Across the Top Podcast Network. The original podcast, I guess you'd say the flagship podcast for the network is From the Top. It's another podcast I'm doing where I take the time to review as many first things as I can, whether it's a first episode in a series, first chapter in a book, first song on an album. It could be the first item on a menu, all kinds of firsts, and I get I get really good suggestions every day. So I'm excited to get into those. If you have any suggestions for me for that or a different podcast idea or you have any uh, comments, feedback, you can hit me up at podfromthetop at gmail.com. Uh, Also, you can check out Yanks Across the Pond, which is another podcast on the Across the Top Podcast Network. Yanks Across the Pond is hosted by Andrew Fisher. He's breaking down all the American players, the American uh, football players, soccer players, who are playing in the biggest clubs around the world. So with the World Cup kicking off here recently, and they're into the, uh, the elimination stage now, it's a good time to check out what American players are on the clubs from around the world. And uh, you can find out more about them as they get back into their club play. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and I will catch you next time.